0: My name's Courtney Cox, if you haven't met me yet. So if you're a fan of the show Friends, you can call me Monica Geller. I get it all the time. (laughs) Um, But I'm not only a member of LifePoint Church, but I'm also a part of the women's ministry team. Uh, So I help with social media. So if you've seen some of our social media posts, that's me. So you'll be seeing a lot more of me on Facebook and Instagram. I also lead one of our discussion groups for Bible study. So I lead the group for young adult women. Uh, So it's women college age, mid-late 20s, and early 30 for me. Um, But last week, Lindy guided us through Jude verses 1 and 2, where we learned who Jude was, who he was writing to, and then we learned about the blessing that he gave to the recipients in his letter. Tonight, we're going to discuss Jude verses 3 and 4, where Jude gets to the main point of his letter. So he tells us why he's writing this to believers. He also gives the reason to why he's asking us to contend for the faith. And he gives them a warning as well. So before we begin, I'm just going to open us up with a short prayer. Father, we we are grateful for this time that we can share together with you. I pray that after tonight, we will feel encouraged by your spirit and confident to guide others in a loving way, just as you have loved us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we learned in our study books from session one that the word beloved means to be greatly loved or dear to the heart. So at first glance, we can expect, looking at verse 3, that this is going to be a letter filled with a lot of affectionate words, um, because he starts off with the word beloved. But then we notice Jude's tone immediately shifts. He writes, Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. His original intent was to write about a good thing, the good news of the gospel. But Jude shifts from being really impatiently and longing to talk about our common salvation in Christ to feeling compelled. So he has this need, um, this urgent need, that he needs to encourage his readers to contend for the faith and contend for the true Christian faith. So why is he urging to contend for the faith? Well, that's when we find out in verse 4. So in verse 4, Jude writes, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Jude's call to action is extremely important to his readers and even to us now as believers because their faith, our faith, is being misused and misrepresented. What I find really interesting in these two verses in particular is that Jude is specifically condemning the corrupt behavior and the immorality that's going on with these these sneaky people that are coming in unnoticed in the church. Um, He's not condemning exactly what they're saying, but he's calling out their actions. Um, and so, if we take a look at Romans six verses one through two, that states, "What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be! How shall we who died in sin, had died to sin still live in it?" And so Jude knows this as well as he's appealing to his uh, to his church, and he's telling his readers and warning them that the ungodly people that are going into the church unnoticed, uh, that they are distorting God's grace. They're using God's grace as justification to continue sinning. And so they're leading an immoral lifestyle or living in sin, and they think, well, I'm forgiven. God loves me still. So they use that as an excuse to continue living the way that they do. Um, And he mentions that they go in unnoticed, because when you think about it, Someone coming in who's living ungodly or leads an ungodly lifestyle, they're not going to come in and say, hey everybody, I'm ungodly, nice to meet you, I'm going to lie and I'm going to cheat and steal, I'm going to tell you all these horrible things and you're just going to listen to me and follow me anyways. No, they don't do that. They, they, they creep in, like he says, and um, they feed you nice words, they tell you things that feel good, um, tell you what you want to hear, and that appeals to you, and they're preaching that in a way that makes you think it's justified. So remember that even though this was written long ago in Jude's time, we know that this distorted belief is really nothing new. We see it today, and we've seen it even before Jude in other biblical times. So there's a few different references in the Bible. There's actually a lot of references. Uh, One in particular where Satan even tried to tempt Jesus. So he even twisted God's word and tried to tempt Jesus with that. Um, There's plenty of other references as well throughout history of people turning away from God um, because they were swayed by someone else twisting God's word. So I have three examples that stand out to me that I wanted to share with you all tonight. One is, going back to Romans again, Romans 16, verses 17 through 18. It reads, Now I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause dissensions and obstacles contrary to the doctrine you have learned. Avoid them, for such people do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. They receive the hearts of the unsuspecting with smooth talk and flattering words. Another example can be found in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 3 and 4. It says, But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent, you happily put up with whatever anyone, else, anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. And then the last example that stood out to me was in Titus 1, verse 16. It says, They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. So Jude is shining light ...on the immorality and calls it a direct betrayal of the authority of Jesus... ...because these ungodly people are putting their fleshly desires above God. And this is something that's been predicted throughout the Bible for many times. It's something that's happened back then and we see it today. Um, For example, just last month, I was scrolling through social media... ...just going through my newsfeed in the Explore tab of Instagram... And I saw a video with young gentlemen sitting around a table. And one says to the group, he says, Hey, if you don't sin, then Jesus would have died for nothing. And everyone around the table, they're like, what? Whoa! Like, mind blown. And some of them are laughing. Um, and they, they treat it like a joke. Um, but in all seriousness, some of them may have actually believed that. And they may think, well, i got, I got to give Jesus a reason for why he died, so i got to sin." Uh, So this twisted type of theology, while sometimes some people may think they really are meaning no harm, it's not rooted in truth. And it really allows people to think that they can say and do whatever they want because they're forgiven, they believe they've received the Holy Spirit, therefore they think they have permission to live their best life. How many of you have heard that phrase, I'm living my best life, you can't tell me what to do, I'm focusing on me. Um, a lot of, I've heard a lot of my generation say living with no regrets, that's a popular one as well, um, or only God can judge me. So if you approach someone and you say, hey, I know you're trying to live your best life, but I don't think this is the way you should be living your best life, they get hurt and they get defensive and they think, well, who are you to judge? Only God can judge me, you can't. Um, so it's, it's hard. Uh, when can we correct someone without sounding like we're judging them? Uh, how can we find the right timing to tell someone out of love and, and tell them, this is where I'm coming from. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm not trying to harm you. I'm trying to protect you and, and keep you saved because you're kept in Christ like we learned last week. So sometimes when we when we go through these situations, um, it, it can be difficult and it can be trying and it can really weigh on us. But I want to go back to verse 3 um, for this. In verse 3, the word contend comes from the Greek word, I'm going to mispronounce this, (laughs) agonizomai. I always want to say like agonizomai because I have a Spanish accent with that, but it's (laughs) agonizomai, which is the root word for the word agonize in English. So to agonize means to put forth great effort. It also means to struggle. So agonizing can result in extreme pain and it can take a lot of time and energy. Struggling can be quick, but it takes a lot of perseverance, too. So rather than contending for our faith or our belief in God, which is what I think a lot of people um, immediately might come to your mind when you think contend for the faith, you're saying, I'm I'm defending the existence of God. Really what Jude is appealing to is um, he's asking his readers and us as believers to fight to defend the truth. So the truth of our, of our doctrine, the truth of, of God, the truth of our scriptures. So Jude did not address in this letter to pastors or leaders. So thinking back to last week, who did he address the letter to? He addressed it to believers, to everyone, to all of us. Whoever and however we are, that's who Jude is speaking to. So we are all called to contend for the faith. And we may not even realize it. But we have so many opportunities to contend for the faith um, in our daily lives. Everything that we're doing every day in our walk with Christ, um, we have opportunities to contend for the faith that we might do it without even noticing that we're doing so. So, for example, you might be a college student who's getting bombarded with mixed messaging, particular doctrines that really wrestle with your spirit. You might be a mother who's trying to model Christ for your children but they just can't stop talking back to you or really testing your patience. (laughs) Um, And I know that. I'm only an aunt, but I see it even as an aunt too. (laughs) Um, Or perhaps even in your workplace, you might encounter someone who doesn't quite understand truth because they believe in their own truths and their own feelings are what justify their truths to them. So these spiritual battles that we face on a daily basis, they can hit really hard and they might weigh on you. Or sometimes you just brush them off and you just think, all right, on to the next day. This doesn't personally affect me, so I'm just going to forget about it. We're also conditioned to tolerate a lot of things, right? So you do you, I'm going to do me. As long as you don't interact with my sphere, I won't mess up yours. Um, And so that's something that we need to be a little bit more cognizant of, and, and Jude is warning us of that. One of my favorite Charles Spurgeon quotes is actually about discernment. Charles says, Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. So how many of us have been in those situations or conversations where we think, "Uh, that's kind of right, I see where you're going with that, but not really? I know I have. I'm going to put two hands up because I've been there, but I've also done it too. (laughs) Where I've had people say, no, 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 Courtney, that's not quite right. Uh, So um, again, we ask, when, when can we speak up? When can we say something without sounding judgy or offensive? Um, so really the best way that we can equip ourselves for this, as Jackie Hill Perry mentions in the book, is to study the word. Studying the word um, is, is the best way to really practice proper discernment and to familiarize ourselves with the truth, with the truth that we stand on, the essentials of our faith. So we could study all the lies of the enemy, all the misrepresentations, we could know every scheme of the devil but if we don't know the truth that we stand on, it's easy to get lost in, in those lies and those schemes. So I really encourage all of us to reflect on pages 54 to 57 in our books, because that has that nice little graphic there. And I'm a visual person, so I was like, yes, it's like a picture book. I really liked that. Um, so, uh, so I really encourage you to, to go through those, study those, reflect on them. Ask yourself, which ones of these essentials do I feel most comfortable contending? Um, in my group specifically, some, some of us mentioned the attributes of God. We're all like, yeah, God's holy, God's good, God is just. Those we're comfortable with repeating. But what about talking about redemption or restoration? Um, or c- talking to someone about sin, the truth of sin. Not just, oh, that's, that's sin, yeah, we're all sinners. But really talking about the meaning of that. Um, so challenge yourself with what you're least equipped with, most comfortable with, um, and make sure that you, that you really look into that to be able to correct others and, and pray on it as well. Surround yourself with like-minded um, believers. Become a disciple. Disciple others like Jesus commands us to do. Get active in that community. All of these things can help prepare you, and God will fill you with that love and strength so that when you're in those situations— You'll feel more confident to tell someone with love, hey, I think you need to rethink this. I think you should maybe reflect on who you're hanging around or or what you're doing right now. Um, And it will be hard. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. Um, But you'll at least feel better knowing that you did your part contending for the faith. Um, So... One last thing I want to mention is um, that as we continue through this study and we dive deeper into Jude's letter, we are going to discover more of what Jude has to say about these warnings and about these, these intruders, I guess, kind of invading and taking over the church or, um, or sneaking about. So we'll also discover how we can guide others and better serve God in a world that doesn't believe in him. So that's everything I wanted to touch on with you all tonight. Um, So I hope this helps give you some encouragement. And then um, before we close out, I'm just going to say a quick little prayer, reflecting on everything that we covered. Um, So Heavenly Father, we pray that you will guide us with your Holy Spirit as we reflect on the true essentials of our faith. We pray that you remove the distractions that hinder our knowledge of Scripture. Turn our focus on you so that we may become more confident to boldly contend for the faith and soften the hearts of others within our circles of influence so that we may encourage them to seek you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.